Chris Lerge-Marie Nörholk, and I'm very happy to be able to share our paper with you in this exciting new medical education podcast format. So thank you very much for listening. Is to a crowd, a qualitative analysis of diet learning in an OBGYN clinical clerkship. Written by Lerge-Marie Nörholk, Anne-Mette Mörge, Karl Bader Larsen, and Martin Tolskov. Abstract. Introduction. Diet learning occurs when two students work together to acquire new skills and knowledge. Several studies have provided evidence to support the educational rationale for diet learning in the controlled simulated setting. However, the role of diet learning in the clinical setting remains uncertain. Unlike the simulated setting, Learning in the clinical setting depends on a complex interplay between medical students, doctors, nurses, and patients, potentially making diet learning less valuable in clerkships. The objective of this study was to explore how key stakeholders perceive the value of implementing diet learning during medical students' clinical clerkships. Methods. In a constructivist qualitative study, we conducted 51 semi-structured interviews with 36 key stakeholders involved in diet learning, including 10 medical students, 12 doctors, five nurses, and nine patients. Data were coded inductively using thematic analysis, then coded deductively using stakeholder theory as a theoretical framework. Results. We found that stakeholders generally perceived the educational impact of diet learning in the clinical setting similarly, but disagreed on its value. Students emphasized that diet learning made them participate more actively during patient encounters, and patients did not mind having stu two students present. Doctors and nurses considered diet learning disruptive to the balance between service and training, and reported that it did not resonate with their perception of good patient care. Conclusion. Diet learning enables students to be more active during their clinical clerkships, but it easily disrupts the balance between service and training. This disruption may be exacerbated by the shifted balance in priorities and values between different stakeholder groups, as well as by, make, by making implicit teaching obligations more explicit for supervising doctors and nurses. Consequently, Implementing diet learning may not be perceived as valuable by doctors and nurses in the clinical setting, regardless of its pedagogical rationale. Introduction. Diet learning, i.e. collaborative learning in pairs, is a promising model for improving clinical skills training in undergraduate medical education. The mechanisms of action between diet learning may include positive effects from peer observation, reduced cognitive load, cognitive co-construction of knowledge, social interdependence, and social comparison. Several experimental studies have provided substantial evidence to support the effectiveness of diet learning of clinical skills in the controlled simulated setting. Yet, despite these promising results, we identified few attempts in the published literature to examine the role of diet learning as a method for training medical students in clinical clerkships. This may have to do with the fact that medical students learning in the clinical setting depends on a complex interplay between doctors, nurses, and patients. Accordingly, what has been demonstrated as effective in the controlled simulated setting 
may not be perceived as valuable and acceptable in the clinical setting, where learning is situated within the interactions of multiple stakeholders. Section 1.1, theoretical foundation. Stakeholder theory may help provide a better understanding of how introducing a new educational concept, such as diet learning, is accepted by key stakeholders in the clinical setting. According to Freeman, who first introduced the theory in 1984, stakeholders are broadly defined as any group or individual who can affect or is affected by the achievement of the organization. Stakeholder theory proposes the creation of value is core to any business strategy and demands consideration of two essential questions. What is the purpose of the firm? And how do we understand value creation? The firm is not merely looking at the creation of economic value, but also value in the form of human relations and stakeholder well-being. From a stakeholder perspective, the employees, e.g. doctors and nurses, and the firms, e.g. the departments, main goal is to produce value for customers, e.g. patients. However, since the main goal of medical students in clerkships is learning, they are often not generating value for the hospital department, then viewing value exclusively as pertaining to patient care. This can cause confusion about how students fit into a department as they are neither customers nor employees, but are still expected to participate in patient care due to a societal contract between hospitals, universities and patients. In that sense, identifying key stakeholders' perceptions of what is considered valuable versus inhibiting, such as conflicting interests and differing priorities, is important when attempting to implement new educational strategies in an organization. Moreover, stakeholder theory can be used to address stakeholders' power to affect an organization and identify alliances of support and opposition. In that sense, stakeholder theory also implies identification and discussion of how different stakeholders' interests, defined as having a stake at the strategy of an organization, and power, defined as an ability to affect what happens, are continuously negotiated in the specific organizational context. In our case, the hospital department. Stakeholder theory acknowledges that not all stakeholders are valued in the same way. It is not a democratic process deciding who the key stakeholders are and who gets attention. This means that decisions sometimes may not be viewed as fair, but rather as the most optimal solution for the most influential people. In many countries, medical students completing clinical clerkships traditionally follow a one-to-one -one apprenticeship model. However, growing student cohorts put the apprenticeship model under pressure and demand consideration of new learning formats. In this study, we wish to better understand how diet learning is used and valued as a learning strategy in clinical clerkships. Stakeholder theory provides an analytical tool to help understand how diet learning works in the complex interplay between multiple stakeholders in the clinical setting. Using stakeholder theory as a theoretical framework, we aim to explore how key stakeholders perceive the value of implementing diet learning during medical students' clinical clerkships. Section two, methods. Section 2.1, design. 
Working within a constructivist qualitative paradigm, we use thematic analysis to explore the perceptions of diet learning from the perspectives of different stakeholders. Diet learning is understood as a form of collaborative learning defined as groups of learners working together to solve a problem, complete a task, or create a product. Throughout this paper, we will operationalize diet learning as unstructured collaboration between two equal peers. Section 2.2, context. This study took place in a department of gynecology and obstetrics at a regional Danish university affiliated hospital. The department was chosen as a representative medium-sized department with final year clerkship students. The department traditionally runs a one-to-one -one apprenticeship program where final year students are individually assigned to follow a doctor in different clinical functions, such as outpatient clinics, the maternity ward and the operating theater. Upon approval from the department head, study information was sent to all doctors and nurses for each unit involved. Section 2.3, participants. The students in our study were in their final year of medical school at the University of Copenhagen during their OBGYN clerkship. They were instructed to collaborate before, during and after patient encounters and had the opportunity to alternate between being active and observant. For example, one student could be responsible for taking the patient's history while the other was responsible for the examination, or they could carry out the whole encounter collaboratively. During intimate clinical examinations, one student performed the procedure and the other one assisted while being supervised by a doctor. They were allowed to interact any way they wanted to and were prepared for a whole day, which meant that all clinical activities scheduled on that day were attended in pairs. Doctors, nurses, and patients were then asked to be interviewed if they had encountered a diet. All participants were interviewed in the department after each diet learning experience. As can be seen in table one, the number of interview participants and their respective stakeholder groups were as follows. 10 medical students, 12 doctors, five nurses and nine patients. This resulted in a total of 51 interviews. Section 2.4, data collection. Initially, LMN conducted a two-day pilot observation of four students in diets in an OBGYN clinical rotation. LMN joined the diets on their patient encounters for observation and found that the presence of an investigator during consultations was not well received by the hospital staff. Consequently, the setup was adjusted so that LMN would not be present during consultations. From the beginning of the next OBGYN clinical rotation, two students were paired daily to work together with the supervising doctors. The rest of the students followed the traditional one-to-one -one apprenticeship model that day. LMN was present at morning conferences and was in the department all day where she conducted interviews and received spontaneous comments from students and staff members. LMN, AMM and MGT developed and used a semi-structured interview protocol. After one week of data collection, LMN and AMN revised the protocol based on the analysis of the initial nine transcripts, aiming to gain better insight and depth from the remaining interviews. 
In the protocol, we had decided to follow the students throughout the entire rotation and conduct interviews in as many different clinical settings as possible to allow for maximum representation of stakeholder perspectives from different contexts. Section 2.5, data analysis. First, the researchers conducted an inductive thematic analysis following the model by Brown and Clark by one, familiarizing themselves with the data, two, generating initial codes, three, searching for themes, four, reviewing themes, five, defining and naming themes, and six, reporting. The 51 interviews were first read chronologically by Elemin to familiarize herself with the data. Elemin conducted the initial coding process and then constructed themes by producing thematic mind maps as visual representations of code sorted into themes. These maps were presented and discussed with other researchers from Elemin's institution. After each respective meeting, the mind maps were revised by further discussions in the research team. The researchers specifically analyzed students, doctors, nurses, and patients' perspectives on diet learning to identify areas of concordance and or conflict, and ended up identifying two main themes that were consistent throughout the data set. During the second step, Elemin conducted a deductive analysis guided by stakeholder theory and specifically searched the data for stakeholders' interpretation of the value of diet learning. The research team discussed the perspectives that were considered most important for stakeholders working with diet learning and identified two main perspectives that were valuable to all stakeholders. Section 2.6, reflexivity. The members of our research team are all medical education researchers with different backgrounds. Elemen is a junior doctor and PhD student with 18 months of clinical experience in OBGYN from the department in which the study took place. AMM is the director of a large simulation unit. KBL is an American medical education researcher with training in qualitative research and a background in nutritional sciences. And MGT is an obstetrician and medical education scientist. The different backgrounds of the author group allowed for varying perspectives and interpretation of data. Elemen was wearing a standard hospital uniform since uh, she conducted the interviews in the clinical setting. She did not wear a professional name tag or reveal her profession to the patients to prevent courtesy bias, but the students and staff knew her as a doctor and some as a former colleague. Section three, results. In the inductive thematic analysis of the stakeholders' interviews, the research team identified two main themes, perceptions of the educational impact of diet learning and perceptions of the impact on the service training balance. Additionally, after deductive analysis guided by stakeholder theory, we identified two additional themes, the patient perspective and the professional perspective. Section 3.1, Perceptions of the Educational Impact of Diet Learning. According to the medical students, diet learning led to social comparison, reflection, and co-construction of knowledge as main learning strategies. 
collaborating with other students in diets made them reflect on their own competencies and abilities compared with their peers, which gave them a new perspective on their learning processes. Quote, student nine. The positive thing about dyad learning could be that you get to see how others do it. You see how other medical students approach what they are about to learn. It gives you the opportunity to see things from the outside and makes you reflect on your own practice as you watch how your colleague does it. When discussing patient cases before and after patient encounters, the students added to one another's individual contributions to the discussion. This led to cognitive co-construction of knowledge and made them increasingly aware of the educational elements of their patient encounters. Quote, student six, participating in dyad learning makes me focus on the learning element. The fact that you spend more time engaging in the issues concerning the patient, because you can always ask, how is the blood pressure? But you can also reflect and wonder, why should we be asking about the blood pressure? The doctors, nurses, and patients all identified the same educational activities between students participating in diet learning. Doctors and nurses had reservations regarding the extra amount of time and resources they felt they had to spend supervising students, whereas in general, we found that the patients perceived diet learning positively and that they acknowledged medical students' need for peer supervision and feedback. Quote, patient two especially when they build on one another and maybe if they interact in the process and one says something that makes the other remember something else, that I think could work quite well. Diet learning influenced the way doctors and nurses perceived the students' activities in the clinical setting. The students themselves strove to be as interactive with the patients and staff as possible, but described difficulties in being included in clinical activities during diet learning. In such cases, the students felt that the teaching obligation of the doctors was avoided and that diet learning was used as an argument against their active participation in the clinical activities. Quote, student nine, some of the senior doctors that have been involved in the allocation of our tasks and placements have balked at the concept, you know, like they were opponents to dyad learning. And that means they have taken on less responsibility regarding us and how we could learn something from the experience. The doctors described that supervising diets made them more aware of including students during patient encounters. Quote, Dr. 12, with the one-to-one -one apprenticeship model, they only get to see the most optimal way to do things and that might not always be the way you learn the most. You need to be hands-on. When there are two of them just staring at you all the time, you feel forced to allow them to participate more. They described feeling an increased commitment to activate the medical student's learning when they supervised two students instead of one. And similarly, diet learning necessitated the students to play a more active role during patients' encounters. Section 3.2, Perception of the Impact on the Service Training Balance. The increased demand for activating the students during patient encounters impacted the balance between service and training in the department. We identified discrepancies between how students felt their training should be prioritized and what was regarded as feasible for the clinical staff. On one hand, the students emphasized their right to be present, 
But on the other hand, doctors considered it difficult to fit diet learning into clinical practice. This resulted from feelings of an increased teaching load and a need for more teaching structure during the workday, with an increased focus on giving assignments to students as well as increased supervision needs. Quote, Dr. Two, the presence of two students makes it a little harder to handle. They ask more questions. There are more explanations. Quote, Dr. Three, it's because you have to put your actions into words so things don't get done as automatically as they normally would, because I have to explain why I think or act as I do. I think that's why I find it more demanding. For patients encountering a diet, their focus was on optimizing the learning potential for students. We found that patients expressed a willingness to participate in diet learning with the anticipation that they were contributing to collaborative competency development for their future doctors. Quote, patient five, I think that it's good that you have the opportunity to interact with one another in case there's something you're having doubts about. I think that's perfect. Two minds are better than one. Section 3.3, the patient perspective. The patient perspective was important for all stakeholders when participating in diet learning. Doctors, nurses, and students all expressed a tendency to put themselves in the patient's place in order to look out for their best interests. Those interests were emphasized by making sure that the patients were well taken care of and remained the central priority of daily activities. Doctors and nurses had ambiguous attitudes towards diet learning and its value in the clinical setting. Quote, Dr. Ten, on one hand, it is positive that there are two people present as it makes it more evident that you have to teach. But on the other hand, I actually think that it's negative as the focus is shifted away from the patient. We found that for all stakeholders, the perceived patient needs had the highest priority and were considered more important than the perceived educational impact of diet learning for students. For example, Doctors and nurses often assumed that patients preferred as few students present during their encounters as possible, even though patients had been consulted and agreed to participate in diet learning. Quote, Dr. Four, even though they don't speak up, the presence of a lot of people is often enough to make things chaotic. Quote, Nurse One, I don't like it. I think it's a pity for the patients, but I also think it's a pity when I bring nursing students to see them. If it were me lying there with four people in the room, then I would not like to be in a gynecological examination chair. I would be way too bashful and feel was intimidating. The impression that participating medical students impacted patient encounters negatively made it difficult for doctors and nurses to attribute value to diet learning as having two students present was perceived as double the inconvenience for patients. The patients, on the other hand, showed a tendency to put themselves in the student's place. When doing so, they expressed understanding and justification for diet learning and their exposure to students. The patients unanimously expressed that the students had to learn. And as long as they knew the identity and role of those present at their encounter, they felt secure being examined. Quote, patient seven, it has never bothered me having students present. It really hasn't. 
I was once in training myself and I feel that you have to be allowed to learn and get the chance to come in and see how everything is done. So I only find it uplifting. Additionally, some patients emphasize the greater feeling of comfort when students were involved in their consultation. Quote, patient four, well, it's a way to ensure good quality because there are more people present to discover if there's anything to worry about. In my opinion, that's always good. As I said, the more the merrier, because it means that you are under better surveillance, I mean, in a good way. However, some patients were skeptical having two students present during intimate examinations. Quote, patient one. Well, if I had to do a gynecological examination, then I might think it was a little overwhelming if there were two men observing and then a third one doing the exam. So in that particular situation, I think I could handle just one student. We found that the clinical context impacted the patient's perception of the value of diet learning. Yet skepticism was only voiced by patients in relation to gynecological examinations and was not repeated when other clinical examinations had to take place. The patient's general positive attitude towards diet learning was not replicated by the rest of the stakeholders, demonstrating a divergence in values between stakeholders. Section 3.4 the professional perspective. Implementing diet learning made stakeholders reflect on their clinical roles and responsibilities. For nurses, this occurred when tasks usually managed by nurses were carried out by students instead, as there were now two students present instead of one. This made nurses reflect on how their profession might transform in the future if diet learning was permanently implemented. We found that some nurses were reluctant to take part in diet learning as it interfered with their perception of what nurses' clinical areas of responsibilities should imply. Quote, nurse five, when you're a nurse, you guard your own profession, right? That's what you'd always do. You would guard it as well as the patients who, want, who you want the best for, right? And in that way, you also guard what your areas of responsibilities are. And sometimes that leads to conflicts about, you know, if it has to do with your profession, then you have to fight about who you should be present where. The implementation of diet learning triggered a negotiation of power between doctors, nurses and students regarding who should decide when and how students should be allowed to participate. This was illustrated in two instances. In one case, a nurse chose to withdraw herself from the patient encounter with two medical students due to a general rule, no, adherence to a general rule in the department, saying that no more than three healthcare professionals should be in the patient encounter room. In the second case, a nursing student was asked not to attend the patient encounter to make room for two medical students. Although these were standalone episodes, they clearly illustrated interprofessional tension between stakeholder groups, which students in diet seemed to exacerbate. For students, diet learning was considered educationally valuable during clerkship training due to the aforementioned learning strategies, but they still did not perceive working in diets to be relevant for their practice as future doctors. Students had the impression that to fulfill their role as future doctors, they should be able to perform individually. Quote, student 10, I feel that my learning is more effective when I'm alone because I can try out some of the doctor competencies better when I'm alone. 
doctors focused on creating a safe and trustworthy patient-doctor relationship during their consultations. They worried that having two students present would lead to an impaired doctor-patient relationship. Quote, Dr. Ten, I try to establish a communication with the patient that takes place in some kind of bubble where she and I have a connection, and that connection gets too hard to establish if too much is going on around us. Since the professional relationship between a doctor and their patient was believed to be best preserved in a private one-to-one -one interaction, diet learning could not be considered valuable by these stakeholders. Doctors and nurses also perceived that the power balance might shift from the patients to the students' favor during encounters, and that the students and diets were suddenly perceived to be the ones setting the agenda more than the patients or doctors or nurses themselves. Quote, nurse two, I like to know how many students are expected to arrive because everybody has a right to be here. It's a university hospital, but I believe it's also possible to plan ahead because if everybody expects that they can just bring students with them, then we end up being too many in the small operating room and that impacts the patient as well as patient safety. And then it does not translate into good learning for anyone. When students in diets entered into different clinical functions, negotiations of power between stakeholders followed and the student diets affected the clinical environment surrounding them. Quote, student eight, doctors and nurses had an opinion about dyad learning and the other student and I didn't really say anything. And it was just very uncomfortable. I actually think it was uttered by the doctor that it wouldn't be any different from one student was normally participating because the other student would be somewhat in the background, but it didn't seem to, the nurses were a little upset about it, a little angry actually. Section four, discussion. In this study, we found that stakeholders generally perceived the educational impact of diet learning similarly which aligns with findings from previous studies, mainly from simulated settings, with an emphasis on learning through the co-construction of knowledge, reflection, and social comparison. However, we also identified conflicting perspectives, which advance our understanding of stakeholders' view on the value of diet learning in the clinical setting. First, our results showed that diet learning required doctors and nurses to more intentionally activate medical students which consequently disrupted the balance between service and training demands in the department. We found that the implementation of diet learning aggravated an already existing conflict of commitment in doctors and nurses who had to balance medical student training and patient care. The tensions found between service and training draw attention to how stakeholders constantly have to negotiate and prioritize their time and resources based on perceptions of value. In our case, diet learning impacted this process by forcing stakeholders to renegotiate who and what was important when. Second, we found that diet learning was generally not perceived as valuable by doctors and nurses. Their main concern was that diet learning did not align with their perception of good service to patients. The awareness of the patient perspective and even their identification with the role of patient advocate is inherent in both medicine and nursing and could explain why these stakeholders emphasize this perspective as their primary argument against diet learning. 
we found that even though patients had agreed to participate in diet learning and gave positive feedback afterwards, doctors and nurses still questioned whether they were in fact in agreement or not. This ambiguity can be held up against another study from the OBGYN context, demonstrating that patient satisfaction scores do not appear to be affected by medical student participation. Presumably, some doctors and nurses tried to put themselves in their patient's shoes as a gesture of empathy. However, when doctors, nurses, and patients' worldviews differ, their perceptions and interpretations of a situation may not be correctly represented. This finding stresses the need to incorporate patients' perspectives when educational interventions are investigated in the clinical setting as patients and healthcare providers may not agree on what is valuable and important. Third, our findings did not always align with previous literature from other health professions. In these studies, diet learning was often tested in the beginning of clinical rotations. Since the medical students in our study were final year students, it is possible that the introduction of diet learning at this late stage of training was not able to induce similar positive effects as they were already used to transitioning through several rotations during their clinical training. An explanation for the differences between our findings and those reported, for example, in the nursing literature may also be found in diverting educational traditions where doctors traditionally learn independently in a competitive environment, whereas nurses learn to work interdependently as part of a team. This perspective resonates with our finding that medical students as well as medical staff had difficulties attributing value to diet learning as a clinical learning strategy for future doctors. The ambiguous student support adds to similar conclusions from other qualitative studies where medical students appreciated diet learning at the early stages of learning in the simulated setting, but expressed concerns about using it for later stages of learning. The opinions of individual stakeholders impact important aspects of medical students' clerkship training, since medical students adapt to and form opinions from faculty role models. Consequently, when diet learning is perceived as demanding as, and unfitting to clinical practice by doctors and nurses, it affects the medical students' overall impression of diet learning negatively. Lastly, in the stakeholder literature, Medical or other healthcare students are rarely mentioned as stakeholders, whereas students in a university setting are described as either customers or active partners with high influence on organizational decisions. This emphasizes the different roles medical students have to adjust to as they shift settings from university to clerkship training throughout their education. As they enter the clinical setting relatively powerless, they seem to struggle to negotiate their position in a department, and even more so if participating in diets. As such, viewing the implementation of diet learning through the lens of stakeholder theory allows us to incorporate a more nuanced view of hospital departments as both educational as well as business entities, where the educational and practical rationals do not always resonate or align between different stakeholder groups. Our introduction of diet learning in the clinical setting highlighted a power hierarchy where the perceived patient preference to avoid exposure to students were, was more important than students' need for inclusion. 
This may also be true for a traditional apprenticeship model. But in our study, introducing diet learning clearly exacerbated these power and value negotiations, as we found that active student pairs were often perceived to be incompatible with patient management in a form that resonated with stakeholders' intrinsic value sets. Medical students had to maintain a somewhat humble attitude to their participation in clinical activities, as they did not generate value from a service perspective to the department, and introducing diet learning made the service training conflict explicit instead of being implicit. We expect diet learning and other group learning formats to be a part of tomorrow's medical education system in both uni and interprofessional formats due to growing student cohorts and an increasing team approach to patient care. This provides new pedagogical challenges, but also potential for innovation of medical education in times of increasing productivity demands and medical personal shortages. Stakeholder theory offers a toolbox to guide this process, which has been used in other areas of medical education and healthcare already. Our results suggest that the implementation of diet learning may in some cases challenge stakeholders' preferences and perceptions of what is valuable to them. Managing an increasing list of stakeholders and keeping each individual satisfied demands significant attention in order for the educational intervention to succeed. Section 4.1, Strengths and Limitations. To our knowledge, this is one of the first studies to explore how multiple stakeholders perceive diet learning in a clinical setting, including the patients. The study included participants from a single hospital department, which limits the transferability of our findings. We aim to counter the, this problem by interviewing participants from all stakeholder groups working in multiple different clinical settings to gain maximum variation, which increases the trustworthiness of our results. The choice of an OBGYN department may have impacted our findings since patient encounters can be perceived as particularly vulnerable especially with student participation in this context. However, our results generally did not support that assumption as patients seem to understand it and accept student participation. Our data set was derived from individual semi-structured interviews and direct observation during department meetings and LMN was present in the department daily and received spontaneous comments from participants, which enriched the understanding of the data. Additionally, the interviews were carried out in the clinical setting, which added to the study's credibility since it made participants reflect directly on what, that, what they had just experienced and thereby limiting recall bias. Finally, the inclusion of a nurse and or a medical student in the research team could have broadened the perspectives brought to the data analysis. Five, conclusion. Adopting diet learning in a clinical clerkship can lead to increased student activation through social comparison, reflection, and co-construction of knowledge, as well as peer feedback. Yet, it easily disrupts the balance between service and training in a department, as well as conceptions about power within the interprofessional team caring for the patient. This disruption may be exacerbated by differing differences in priorities and values between stakeholder groups and by making implicit teaching obligations more explicit for supervising doctors and nurses. 
Consequently, implementing diet learning may not be perceived as valuable by doctors and nurses in the clinical setting, regardless of its pedagogical rationale. Acknowledgements. Thank you to all the medical students, doctors, nurses, and patients for their participation in this study. Conflicts of interests, none. Author contributions, LMN was responsible for the data collection, data analysis, translations of quotes, and first author of the article. AMM was responsible for data analysis and co-writer of the article. KBL was responsible for translation of quotes and co-writer of the article. MGT was responsible for planning the study, writing the study protocol, data analysis, and co-writer of the article. Ethical approval. This study was reported to the Regional Ethics Committee of the Capital Region of Denmark and was deemed exempt from review. All participants were briefed on the details of the study, verbally agreed to be interviewed, and signed informed consent forms. Mm -hmm.